0: Chris Trankman from our news radio WFLA newsroom. And before we get into the day's biggest stories, have to acknowledge as such a huge fan of Curb Your Enthusiasm, the death of Richard Lewis at the age of 76. A plan is a plan. A confirmation is a guarantee. You're going to show up. OK, Sunday, same time, same place. Well, I'll need a confirmation. You're not getting a confirmation. You have have a a, confirmation. This is a
2: confirmation right now. This is a plan.
0: No, I agree with Richard Lewis there. You gotta have you make plans. Like if we were to make plans, Dana, we're gonna go do something Sunday afternoon. I mean saturday you follow up
1: yes absolutely you do you
0: confirm yeah no, not neurotic at all that guy, <laughs> right? yeah. no, not at all uh richard lewis fantastic on curb your enthusiasm although in the past couple of seasons he started to look uh very frail i know he was diagnosed with parkinson's he was going to keep uh working through it but then i guess died of a heart attack
2: yeah i mean he's uh certainly a popular uh popular comic i remember watching him uh he, he made appearances on all of the comedian shows you know uh uh, david letterman and, and folks like that and uh yeah one of the great stand-up uh comedians if you get a, if you had a chance to see him
0: yeah and larry david said in a statement richard and i were born three days apart in the same hospital which is crazy oh wow such good friends and, and work together and for most of my life he's been like a brother to me he had that rare combination of being the funniest person and also the sweetest but today he made me sob and for that i'll never forgive him There you go. Yeah. So (laughs) that was the statement from Larry David on the passing of Richard Lewis. All right, let's get to some of today's other top stories. Good morning, Chris.
2: Good morning. So, Senate Minority Leader, excuse me. Think those, so uh, are you doing an imitation of Mitch McConnell no, I, there? You know what? I think those <laughs> the imitation
1: uh, <laughs> we wouldn't be able to hear him talking. he would be staring at his face.
2: <laughs> I, I've been having trouble uh, swallowing those microplastics. Dana, that's you know, I a, you know they like stick to the back of your throat. <laughs> yeah, you need a little extra. Yeah, water no, get I know. Down.
0: That's why you got to boil your water. We it's, were telling you about that earlier in yeah, the show. I'll yeah, I know. I, I got a stove out. in the newsroom actually. Yeah.
2: <laughs> <laughs> so, Senate Minority Leader Mitch McConnell of Kentucky stepping down in three years. McConnell says that he is ending an era in the Senate. He became the top Republican in 2006. He's been in that role either in the minority or majority leader uh, for many years and is the longest serving leader in the Senate in U.S. history. Now, Mm -hmm. he's 82 years old. He said age is a factor, but he does plan (laughs) to serve out the next three (laughs) years. Uh, even though he's had serious health issues, oh, he, serious. Health yeah, issues. he had a fall last year mm-hmm. and disappeared for several weeks, and then he had these freeze up freeze ups. I'm not really sure exactly what the medical term would be for those, but they were pretty scary to watch. I think they're called saw. freeze
0: ups, where you have yeah. to you have to reboot the system and uh, mm. then it starts working again it's like a computer it freezes up and then you turn it off and you turn it back on and uh and then you know
1: then it so, works till it freezes up again yeah
2: and, and that happened because he was doing too much multitasking yeah <laughs> you know what what's, what happened there? <laughs> no idea
1: they never told us what happened no either. They, they just didn't acted say. like oh he's fine
0: yeah here was uh mitch mcconnell delivering that announcement on the senate floor yesterday
2: to serve kentucky in the senate it's been the honor of my life to lead my Republican colleagues has been the highest privilege. But one of life's most underappreciated talents is to know when it's time to move on to life's next chapter. So I stand before you today, Mr. President and my colleagues to say this will be my last term as Republican leader in the
0: Senate. He went on to say that uh, his next chapter included possibly running for president uh, because, you know, <laughs> with his cognitive state and his age, it uh, makes him perfectly qualified to uh, enter this presidential race.
2: Well, the question now is who will succeed him as the Senate minority leader? And Florida Senator Rick Scott's one of the names that's come up because Rick Scott actually challenged him yeah. in the last election for a Senate leader. So uh you can expect uh, Rick Scott to make a play for that along with several other senators who actually are probably in in more a uh, better position to the get Johns, the Johns the Johns the three uh, Johns that's right John
0: Thune, John Barrasso, John Cornyn uh the three Johns are are vying for it it's going to come down to I'll tell you right now who gets Trump's uh, backing that could be. And uh, Rick Scott's certainly going to be working on that, you would think. He's got a pretty good relationship with Donald Trump. Uh he
2: does, although John Thune, who's the number two yep. behind McConnell, endorsed Donald Trump mm-hmm. for obvious reasons. And so yeah, that's gonna be a key part of uh, you know, whether these guys get elected or not. Uh but at the same time, you know, we're not talking about the uh the you know, the majority leader not uh, yet. We'll see in yet. the
0: 2024 election.
2: That's right. Uh, the
0: Senate could flip, uh, and and as you could hear in that statement delivered by Mitch McConnell, it uh, seems perfectly capable of continuing on for the next three years. <laughs> as a senator. Yeah, and there was
2: 27.
0: It sounds so far away. Like uh especially it,
1: when you're 82. It's
0: so crazy how he's saying, you know, it's important to know when it's time to move on to the next chapter and it's like so I'm, I'm going to serve up for three, yeah. three yeah, years. So I'm
1: going to hang out for three more years. <laughs>
0: Did you not get the rest of the memo? Um and there are some calling for him to step down as minority leader right now.
2: Like why why are we waiting until november well a number of republicans have come out against him openly josh mm-hmm. hawley yeah. the senator from missouri he said that mitch mcconnell is uh, you know way past his time right and uh, in fact he's actually harmed some of the uh, the policies uh you know in, in today's era yeah. so you know there's no question that uh, there are a lot of senators anxious new direction. Mitch McConnell's legacy, there's no question about it. It's going to be uh the Supreme Court and uh flipping it to the conservative
0: majority that it is today that that doesn't get done without the work that Mitch McConnell did, the moves
2: that he made, and I think that's his, his legacy. Um regardless, moving forward. All right, what else we got going on? So we have the congressional leaders agreeing to a stopgap spending bill. This should prevent a partial government shutdown at the end of the week. And they should have some other spending bills finished uh, in some of the days following. Now
0: well, it's this... a good thing this was a leap year. They needed the extra day <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> to get this done. <laughs>
2: <laughs> That's right. Nothing nothing like February 29th yeah. to, to solve all your problems. <laughs> That's
0: a good point.
2: Yeah, so it, it extends the uh, funding for some of the agencies until March 8th. And then another group of spending... Uh, yeah, uh, you know, they have like six uh, six yeah, bills or right, something right, that fund the entire government. Right. It's not and, and running so
0: out tomorrow night. That's not basically running out,
2: and yeah, they're going to extend uh, another one of the spending bills to March twenty second. Yeah, there's so. not
0: going to be a government shutdown. Not in an election year. Nobody wants to deal with all that chaos and craziness. Yes. That, that's why not, be, not because <laughs> they're all trying to do the right thing. It's because they don't want to deal with the craziness while they're all running for reelection. I think you're right. I think it's because of the leap day.
2: Yeah, you know, they're like, <laughs> we only have the leap day every four years. Yeah. We might as well get something done. Right. Like, So thousands of Floridians with state-run citizens' property insurance could find that their homeowners' policies are dumped into a different company that is totally unregulated. And a first for the state, lawmakers are poised to allow companies known as surplus lines insurers to take out policies from citizens. 80,000 Floridians, those who have second homes covered by citizens, could... Find themselves with policies lacking some basic consumer protections. Oh, that doesn't sound great. Such what, as what
1: a great solution.
2: <laughs> such as a guarantee that their claim is actually paid. Oh, so the Senate, times. a Senate bill and a House bill has have quietly sailed through the legislature with very little debate or even any coverage until now.
0: Yeah, we've been following uh, the property insurance crisis as closely as anyone. This is the first uh, I'm really seeing of all of this.
2: Yeah. Now, in the past, the way it usually worked is that if you had an insurer who represented, uh, you know, homeowners for your house or, or, you know, those kinds of policies, they had to show the state that they were, uh, you know, properly running their business, mm-hmm. they had proper reserves, that they had the ability to make uh, payouts during uh, emergencies and all that kind of thing. Sounds these, like a good plan. These these secondary companies don't have those same requirements, and that's why they're called surplus lines insurers. And they they weren't really designed to take on regular homeowners policies like the ones, you know... For for citizens. Here's yeah. the thing about citizens. The reason people are on that is because no other insurer, regular or not, will take them. Exactly. So and you're going to take these people and put them on essentially the lowest level of insurance. Leading right into hurricane season. That's uh,
1: fantastic. That's, that's nice. yeah, it's a really great solution to this problem. And
2: then you had Governor
0: DeSantis. He came out and said uh, that citizens' property insurance isn't uh, solvent. And he said, look, we can't have millions of people on that insurance because if a storm hits, it's going to cause a problem for the state.
2: You know, the thing I don't get about what, say, the governor is saying or, or even the head of citizens is they're just not on the same page. Yeah. I mean, on one cable show, Governor DeSantis is saying that citizens is insolvent, it's a disaster, it'll kill the state. And then the head of citizens is like, that's absolutely false. We are 100 uh, percent operating normally. We, we are prepared to handle the storms ahead. Right. And you've and- got
0: some lawmakers who were who were floating ideas. Maybe we put more people on citizens and and do it that way. So, like, nobody seems that you're right. Nobody's on the same page when it comes to this very important uh issue but at least those child labor laws (laughs) yeah yeah. Yeah.
2: Yeah, i mean Mm. in this case it's it's a situation where people have been calling for solutions to the increases in costs Mm -hmm. for insurance in the state and the solution so far has been to try and sneak a bill through where they kick people off citizens and put them on an insurance company that right after a storm could potentially declare bankruptcy and not pay anybody (laughs) yeah so wow. that's, that's what people have to look forward to.
0: If a storm hits and you lose your home, you might have a real problem on your hands. But if that bear winds up in your living room, <laughs> yes. you can shoot and kill it now thanks to the legislature. So, if it's yeah. on crack. Yes. If on crack.
2: Do you get to keep the cocaine? <laughs> yeah. yeah, right. That I question. don't know.
0: But uh, at least they're taking care of the right priorities up there in Tallahassee. Uh, Chris Trankman with Today's Top Stories. Chris, thanks so much. Thank you. So the other day there were reports that Wendy's was preparing to test an Uber-style surge pricing model where prices would fluctuate throughout the day based on demand, meaning a burger would cost more during the lunchtime rush. Wendy CEO, Kirk Tanner, announced the new system on a call with investors, saying the new pricing was going to begin testing in 2025. The reaction to that story,
1: not great. Not great at all. I mean, our TikTok, if you follow us on TikTok at Ryan Gorman Show, you can see all the comments and people were like, I'm going to surge myself into the abalone sandwich aisle. I'm not getting a Wendy's burger.
0: Yeah, pretty, pretty brutal reaction. We actually told our legal analyst, Felix Vega, about this. He hadn't heard about this. We told him about it. On the air yesterday in the 8 o'clock hour just to see his reaction and his face was priceless. (laughs) it was. This is stunned. Uh, Now, Wendy's is saying it has no plans to increase prices during the busiest times at its restaurants. In a prepared statement, Wendy's said they will not implement surge pricing, which is the practice of raising prices when demand is highest. Quote, we didn't use that phrase, nor do we plan to implement that practice. And instead, they claim their new digital menu boards, which they spent $20 million on, will allow them to change the menu offerings at different times of the day and offer discounts and value offers to their customers more easily, particularly in the slower times of the day. (laughs)
1: Wait a minute. (laughs) That's I'm the, confused. That's the same thing. Okay, so now they're trying to say that the price is going to be the price, but if you go when it's slower, you'll yes. get a lower price. Right. So, so they're not raising the prices exactly. during the day. They're low. I get it. Oh, That makes a huge difference.
0: Right. So you can only it actually. benefit <laughs> yeah. from this. Uh, there's no penalty for going during like the lunchtime hour. That's, right. that's what they've come up with. Look, let me tell you something. It seems pretty clear what happened they concocted this price searching idea they thought it was going to be revolutionary and they rolled it out they got such blowback <laughs> that this is uh this is how they kind of tried to navigate all of it and make it like no no, no we're not going to raise the prices the prices are going to be what they are and then during certain times of the day they might be lower to incentivize people to go to <laughs> wendy's right.
1: you're going to pay more for a hamburger at noon than you are at 3 o'clock in the afternoon.
0: That's, I think, what a lot of customers are going to hear.
1: Yes. Well, that's what they're saying. They're still saying it. They're just not calling it surge pricing.
0: Right, right, right. It's going to be their normal pricing and then discounts throughout the day.
1: All right. I mean, that's a much better way of presenting it. But unfortunately, he said on the call that it was going to be the surge pricing thing. And that's that's what got him in trouble.
0: Right. And uh, Wendy's there. You mentioned the other day their X account, which is usually very snarky, uh, making fun of other uh, fast food establishments (laughs) and all. They have been very quiet. Oh, they
1: still haven't said anything? I don't think they've said anything.
0: And and they are doing that deal for Leap Day that you mentioned yes, yesterday. The,
1: they have those little Cinnabon bites that look so good with all the icing on them. So yeah. I don't know if you got to use the app or whatever. There's always something you got to do to get mm. the deal. But they are offering those Cinnabon bites free at Wendy's today. Yeah. And and
0: that it doesn't depend on when you go. Like, I think <laughs> it's, it's not I think
1: like it's all day. Free now. But if yeah. you wait until 10, it's going to be a doll.
0: Right. It's all day during Leap Day. So here's what you need to know about Hunter Biden's closed door deposition yesterday and we'll keep it quick um he wasn't even done testifying before you had democrats and then republicans running out in front of the cameras they were on the committee they came out (laughs) during the (laughs) deposition and they're trying to spin biden's testimony democrats saying the whole thing was a nothing burger republicans saying there are some inconsistencies the bottom line the full transcript is going to be released in the next few days i think if there was a major bombshell we Probably would have heard about it by now. Uh, What he said in his opening statement, not surprising, claims he never involved his father in his business dealings. This was, I thought, notable. He said he was higher drunk when he wrote to a Chinese associate in 2017 that he was sitting here with my father shortly before the transfer of five million dollars into Biden family linked accounts. So that's an interesting way to spin it spin it yeah i was
1: i was high I, and drunk so you can't take what i said seriously <laughs> I was, right is that the angle he's yeah going for?
0: yeah i was yeah. on drugs uh he's supposed to testify publicly no date has been set yet one thing i did want to point out real quick some good work by a reporter who was there on capitol hill posing the question to hunter biden that we all want answered and today
2: only confirmed that can come up a public hearing you do a public hearing mr biden <laughs> 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 Mr. Biden has
1: the at the White House. Yours. That's a key question. We
0: all want the answer to that question. <laughs> we do. We yeah. do. So well done by that reporter. Seems like it's one story after another these days. Let me get to the latest on the illegal immigrant accused of killing nursing student Lakin Riley. Neighbors of uh, Jose Ibarra claimed he would watch the running path all day long and that he was seen on security cameras throwing out bloody clothes. The day of the attack. Now, that comes after we learned Abara apparently dragged Riley into a secluded area, used an object as a weapon, and disfigured her skull. The backstory here is that he unlawfully crossed into the U.S. in 2022. ICE says Ibarra was detained by the Border Patrol on September 8, 2022, after entering from Mexico near El Paso. He was released for further processing. It's unclear if he ever applied for asylum or anything like that, but he was out. And then he was arrested by New York police on August 31st, charged with acting in a manner to injure a child less than 17 and a motor vehicle license violation. He was released before ICE could ask New York officials to hold him until immigration authorities could take him into custody. And then, of course, he commits this awful murder. Now we've learned an illegal immigrant from El Salvador was arrested in Maryland and charged with murder in the case of a two year old who was shot and killed this month. Nilson Trejo Granados, who's 25, has had several previous run-ins with the law. In March of last year, he was charged with theft. That arrest prompted ICE to lodge an immigration detainer on him, but local police department refused to honor the detainer. They just released him. He was arrested again in September 2023, charged with theft and attempting to obstruct and hindering. ICE again lodged an immigration detainer. That was not honored. And even before any of that, a Department of Justice Immigration judge in Newark, New Jersey, ordered his removal from the U.S. in November of 2022. So all of that took place. He's still running around in Maryland and ends up killing a two-year-old.
1: Montgomery County, Maryland. I'm not surprised that's how they handle it. Because that's where I used to live.
0: Yes. And uh, finally, an illegal immigrant from Honduras has been accused of raping a 14-year-old girl in Louisiana. Angel Matias Castellanos Oriana, who's 19, was arrested after he committed armed robbery and stabbed a man uh, out west. Officers then realized he was also wanted for raping a 14-year-old girl at knife point after she reported the incident to police. So you have the killing of Lake and Riley, you have the killing of the two-year-old, you have the rape of the 14-year-old, all coming back to back to back and all showing that, Our immigration system not working.
1: Not getting rid of these people. These people should not be here. And
0: these sanctuary cities, that ain't working either. And that's why you even saw the White House yesterday start to push back a little bit. On the sanctuary city policy, you had New York City uh, Mayor Eric Adams say that some of those sanctuary city policies need to be changed. It's becoming untenable. Like people are seeing these stories and they're saying, enough. What are you people doing? This is, it, make, it makes no sense.
1: Right, yeah. Well, it's a good thing that they're starting to see it and realize that these policies are just not working. Yeah,
0: sadly, it's coming, you know. A little late for the two-year-old and for Lake and Riley and and, uh, that 14-year-old girl who was raped. But uh, again, it's just one story after another. Once you hear this, I think you can totally understand why for a minute rescuers thought the crew of the Titan sub... Might have still been alive.
1: Yes, this trending story brought to you by Trajan Wealth. Visit them at trajanwealth.com. So there was a knocking sound that was picked up over a 30 minute time span on the Titan sub, and rescuers thought that this might be the people knocking inside the submarine. So listen to this. So that was the sound that they heard over and over again for yeah. 30 minutes so channel 5 in the uk just released the trailer for a new documentary called the titan sub disaster minute by minute and that is the sound that was heard a former navy sub captain said the symmetry between the knockings was unusual and that it sounds like it could have been someone knocking that's why they thought it was yeah. human because right. of that sound
0: and you hear it in like that general area and you think that's got to be that like what else would be making that noise
1: right and so they don't know i mean could it have been the people before the sub blew up we have no idea so th- they still don't know exactly what that sound was mm-hmm. but at least now we have a better idea of what it was they heard
0: right yeah i guess they said afterwards they thought that in the timing of when the sub imploded and all of that that it likely wouldn't have been them but i mean that's uh, let me hear it one more time uh, james that's it's- it's eerie.
1: I mean, it sounds like someone knocking on a door. It does, yeah, right. it does. So we still don't know what it is. Probably never will. But that was the sound that they heard.
0: President Biden had a two hour long appointment with the team of doctors yesterday as part of his annual physical. Do you think he gets sent to the exam room and he has to wait for the doctor, you know how when you go <laughs>
1: for like 15 minutes yeah. while you're sitting there like when are they going to come in here? Right, yeah. you're in
0: the waiting room and then they finally take you back and then you got to wait in that little exam room for another 15 minutes. I think he probably gets the doctor yeah. right away. I, I
1: think they just stand outside the door while he undresses and puts yeah. his gurney thing on and then they come right back in.
0: Right. Uh this is what the president had to say afterwards. They said, he said that the doctor said uh, they think he looks too young. So
1: <laughs> that was the assessment, the yeah. official assessment.
0: President's got jokes. Uh, the physician for the president released a statement late yesterday saying Biden is a healthy, robust <laughs> 81-year-old. Uh, Corrine Jean-Pierre was asked if a cognitive test was part of the physical. And here was her answer. As it relates to cognitive test. You know, the president doesn't need a cognitive test. That is not my assessment. That is not my assessment. That is the assessment of the president's doctor. Uh, that is also the assessment of the neurologist, uh, who has also made that assessment as well. And you know, and we've heard to say this, and I'll reiterate this: the president's doctor has said,
2: if you look at what this president, the president who is also the commander in chief, he passes a cognitive test every day, every day.
1: Does he? <laughs>
0: I don't know. I've seen some moments where
1: I think they just don't want him to take a cognitive (laughs) test (laughs)
0: because if that's passing a cognitive test every day, that's a really easy cognitive (laughs) test. Uh, The president is going to be headed to the southern border today. It's interesting. He's going to Brownsville, which is pretty secure, all things considered. You've got Trump going to Eagle Pass, which is a complete disaster. And just to give you a sense of the situation, so, like, if you take a look at the uh, illegal immigrant encounters on February 27th, this was a graphic that Allie Bradley from News Nation put up. There were 22 in the Brownsville area, there were 152 in Eagle Pass. Uh, I mean, it's night and day. So you got Trump going to the bad part of the border. You got Biden going to a better part of the border. Not really a surprise. We'll see what comes out of those two trips, and we'll have lots of coverage of that tomorrow morning on the show, the Ryan Gorman Show on News Radio WFLA. Follow us on Facebook and Instagram at Ryan Gorman Show, and find us online at RyanGormanShow.com.